Uh, the witches in question are looking through Mighty Teen comic books for clues on how Harvey can fulfil his dream, by which point one of Graham's dreams comes true in the form of witnessing, yet again, real cat Salem, wearing a cat-tailored firefighter's outfit, driving a cat-tailored fire engine, who then climbs up a tiny ladder and sits next to a fire. Fucking yes. So beautiful. This was so beautiful. This wonderful, it's kind of like a 1950s, 1960s, uh, you know, like miniature fire engine. Is it an REO Speedwagon? I don't know. But it was it was so beautiful. And then, yeah, you've got the, the real Cat Salem, as it always is when he's in the cars. And he's got the, the jacket and the hat on. And then, yeah, he goes up a little... How did they get the cat to go up the ladder? He just gets up a tiny fucking ladder. A little ladder. What a talented cat. He's, get, he's getting really close to the fire. I don't really like that. Oh. I think they put the pet in a lot of danger there. But nonetheless, like, yeah, just just a wonderful set piece. You get no warning. It's just all of a sudden you hear Salem like, out the way, out the way. And then all of a sudden this little fire engine's going across the room. And, oh, oh it's... As, as good as this is, it's still not my favourite part of um, Cat Salem in this entire episode. Because uh, the credits roll, and Mr. Craft has returned to being principal, and Salem is still dressed as a fireman and still driving a fire engine. He reveals that he's posed for a sexy fireman's calendar, and again, <laughs> and again, it's a real cat dressed as a yes, fireman. But the cat is genuinely looking really seductive. <laughs> like it's, it's a, the cat is genuinely really sexy, and it's the, just the cat is the cat seducing you with its size. It's, it's like. Oh, you want this, but you cannot have this. This is all mine. Oh, my mm. God. It's like a fucking picture of Tom Jones in 1972 <laughs> or something. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's such yeah. a sexy cat. Smoldering. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three mumbling, mediocre manscapers review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil Dean, I'm your host and your guide through this wonderful journey that we're taking together, of course, standing two metres apart and not holding hands, even though... It would be nice, especially as it gets colder. Um, I well, I've addressed ourselves as manscapers. I'm famously not that hairier a guy, uh, apart from the hair, um, kind of circling around my face and the thick hair I've got on my head. Uh, more on someone who has less uh, very shortly. But uh, first of all, is that one of my friends? It's Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hello, Phil. How are you doing, my friend? I'm not bad. I recently recharged my batteries with a actual uh, time spent in another location, which is a precious commodity in this day and age. Um, I've recently uh, also started a new job, so I've actually had a few things to do, which kind of, sort of, take my mind off um, the uh, gradual unravelling of our society through the plague. Indeed. And um, speaking of, you know, on about manscaping, how, how hairy a man are you? Um, I'm fairly densely forested. Um, I was, as mentioning before, we went on air actually about how I recently shaved my chest hair into a question mark. I don't know why, but then again, that's kind of the point, isn't it? It certainly is. It certainly is. And uh, I'm going to talk to someone else who chuckled there slightly, so you know he's here and alive and well. Uh, it's Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. Hello, Philip. Hello, Graham. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Never been better. That's sarcasm, by the way. Get used to it. <laughs> 
Okay, and, and talking of how, obviously, um, a reason, obviously, we were talking about hair for the second episode on the trot, really, because we talked a lot about your hair, or rather, um, kind lack of... Lack thereof. L- yeah, 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 lack of. Too um, soon. But <laughs> but, uh, but uh, other parts of your body is quite quite the opposite. Yes. His arms, that's what we mean, his arms. I have more hair on one of my legs than you have on your head, Phil. Wow. Yes. And... Uh, just to let you know, I shave my chest, my body, in fact, not my legs or my arms, but my body in the summer because I get too hot and then I grow a winter coat, which is coming on quite nicely now. And what and what, yeah. what sort of punctuation do you like to shave it in? Oh, uh, no, no, no punctuation. I, I just like to leave a, a, a large gap, a space, if you will sort of shave around your chest but keep a, a, a circle in the middle of your chest and then with your nips it just looks kind of like an ellipsis and i think that'll be quite quite trendy i think i think yeah. you can get that uh, i think people could could look at that and go this guy's going places no i think what people would do would they look at that and think i had a third nipple of course he could shave a a diamond uh, with an s inside it into his chest which brings us rather neatly onto today's episode <laughs> so yeah, this episode is number fourteen of season four, and it's called Super Hairy Diamond Man. No, it's called it's called a Super Hero. <laughs> you fucking bellend. And uh, in this episode, <laughs> I shouldn't take this for beer before that. <laughs> um, yeah, and this episode, uh, yeah, I said it's called Super Hero. Um, in this one, well, it's kind of like uh, Mr. Craft has a uh, kind of just a feeling of unconfidence. You know, he's not too sure what to do, and he decides to leave his job as principal of Westbridge High. But that's not really the main crux of the episode. Um, Harvey becomes a superhero. He lives out his childhood dream and has to save the day or the world or whatever comes first. Um, so before we do talk about this, guys, right off the bat, uh, did you enjoy this one? I certainly did. I did. I remembered a small portion of it, I realised once I started watching. Um, there was something which you did. You did tell me I was really, really going to enjoy this episode. Um, and I quickly found out why and boy did i enjoy one particular aspect of it but all in all a pretty solid episode some good character exploration for willard and also some uh, yes some superhero hijinks which um interesting to see superheroes and where they were at in the 90s i always think i mean to be perfectly honest with you i only watched it about two hours ago while i was doing my ironing and i've already forgotten most of it be you know you shouldn't watch sabrina well, you're busy concentrating on the iron, man. Very nice. It's all right. I was uh, defrosting some meat as well. One might say it was Thor. Hmm. <laughs> Hawkeye. Let's uh, get on to the episode. Um, one thing I did notice, though, I I say only notice it now because it could very well have happened many times before, but I do believe this is the first time it's happened. This episode is actually directed by Melissa Joan Hart this time round because I thought this episode in particular. Um, you know, it might not have been necessarily the funniest episode that's ever existed, but it it very much knew what what worked in this episode. Like, it very much knew um, how to make a good sort of Sabrina episode, in my opinion. I think um, that might have been why, obviously, because the person behind the camera is the person typically in front of the camera. I think this is her directorial debut. She's been a producer, I think, since season three, but it's the first time I've noticed her credited as a director. And yeah, it's yeah, very, very sure-footedly directed episode. I think that um, there's particularly a very... I don't know how much this is down to director, but there's a very good um, 
sort of pull back and reveal a visual gag quite early on. Yeah, I quite quite like the way this episode, episode was directed, but I think since I realised it was Melissa, I was really sort of keeping an eye out for sort of her directorial style because I think this is the first time we've seen her directed episode. But uh, yeah, yeah, very good job. Yeah, very much so. And that, and that like I said, that could have played into fact, you know, the reason why you know I enjoy, enjoyed it so much because it wasn't... A bit sort of just loose and a bit faffing around as as a lot of uh, most of these episodes in this particular season have been. You know, it's just been very, um, you know, a very solidly well shot, well put together episode. And yeah, I think it's because obviously someone's of important note within this within this show has decided to stamp their name on it and say, right, I'm you know putting some responsibility into putting this episode together. So um, yeah, like I said, I very much enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to talking to it. Uh, talking about it, rather, um, which I will do uh, right about now. So, the episode opens on Sabrina making a peanut butter, jelly and vitamin sandwich as she prepares for career day and to start thinking about her future. Zelda suggests that she checks out the Witch Aptitude uh, app or tool, whatever, she's installed on her laptop, which will give her a glimpse into a potential career path. Sabrina tries it and it seems she's a doctor or a surgeon who then ends up smashing a patient into a wall or a flight of stairs or something like that. Uh, But it's not quite accurate apparently because Salem has tampered with it to make him appear as if he's going to be the future king of the world. Um, So yeah, it kind of sets the scene really of... um, To be honest, obviously it sets the scene with Sabrina worrying about her career path, but it doesn't actually follow her turmoil of the career path. It's about, you know, two supporting characters. Um, But it still would have been nice to get a glimpse into what Sabrina sees herself as, because that's, I guess, an element of a character we don't really know where it's going, and and we know that these next three seasons are going to be about her in college, obviously thinking about that in the the future. My thing about this opening, and I was thinking about this quite a bit, actually, was... uh, While you were ironing. While I was ironing. um, Was career day. We don't. Why? Why do they have just one day for it? Over here in England, it's like you've got careers advisors left, right, and centre, and you can talk to X, Y, and Z about it. what is it with Americans and career day? What? I don't. I don't understand it. It's why? Why is it just one day, or is it a week? What? What's why? What is it with Americans and days, man? Yeah, it's like, like Labor Day. What the fuck is that? Yeah, got a day for fucking everything. Yeah, Thanksgiving. No one gives a shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> take that, America. Um, but, uh... <laughs> What's the fourth of fucking July? Set off some fireworks. Piss off. Do that to commemorate a Catholic fanatic kneeling blowing up Parliament. Don't do it any other time. That's just yeah. weird. That's just weird. All right. Yeah. No, I mean the bottom line is I'm fully prepared for someone trying to blow up Parliament this fifth of November. It'd be nice. Nice, yeah, yeah, it's it's probably something that is actually more likely to happen um, this year than any others. <laughs> that, that's that's um, fully prepared for it, not actively participating in a plot to do so. Honest, honest. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Do, um, do you reckon? Do you reckon Guy Fawkes has been uh, cryogenically frozen and uh, someone's been thawing him out this year so he can try again? I don't know. I think it could just be someone else, like Guy Fieri. I think it, him sort of blowing up <laughs> the UK Parliament would be, would be quite fun. He's already got the shirt for it. Yeah. Unless it was some sort of careers fair and they just didn't want to spring for having all the, you know, putting 
putting the set together and having all the different stands and different people and stuff because it's probably that. I, I, I was going to say what you mean getting all the set together. It'd be in the canteen. There's space for three stands done. But I mean, I mean getting all the extras and stuff in because Dreamer mentioned she's going to some talk on like how corn is the future or something. And I mean, in 2000, corn mm. really was the future. I mean, they were in for a big couple they of years, really weren't were. they? But um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so maybe that's part of some sort of thing. I don't know, to get people to be farmers. I don't know. Everyone I mean, should far- get into farming. Everybody should get into farming. Not everybody, because we do know that cows' farts are killing the world. Oh no, I'm talking about like like vegetable farming, not not animal or, rearing. Or, or or chickens. I mean, no one ever heard of a chicken fart killing the world. Do chickens even fart? I don't think they do. Maybe when they fart, it every time they, they fart, they shit an egg. They shit an egg. Exactly, exactly. So you know, chickens are much more you know much more economical, much more yeah. eco-friendly. But what is your favourite kind of farming? Let us know. I've enjoyed this little farming sidebar, but some people could be listening right now and be thinking, this is arable. <laughs> At this point in the episode, usually only with the first couple of seasons, um, Sabrina just stood in front of a mirror, wore an outfit, and then said something, hopefully, uh, sometimes, not really much, uh, funny uh, before each episode started. And since that's been removed, we've decided to do that ourselves. So, uh, Graham, give us a costume, give us a joke, give us a laugh. It's not so much a costume with this one, it's more of a prop. Is it a tank? I'm afraid not. Is it? Is it a farm? It's not a farm because this episode has nothing to do with farming. Our episode does. Yes, this podcast so far <laughs> has contained more farming content than Sabrina content, and we apologise for that. But, I don't. Um, <laughs> she's just dressed regular Sabrina. It doesn't really matter how she's dressed. She can be dressed as a tank if uh, you want her to be. It doesn't really matter. The point is, she's carrying a huge stack of comic books. She's got one arm, like scooped under the big stack of comics and the other arm is like holding a spine and she's kind of wincing and whatever and um she says i've had to carry this huge stack of comic books three miles and now i've got back issues <laughs> okay yeah me. i like that nice <laughs> nice there we go back issues do you get it uh if you do maybe you should go and go, go and see a doctor yeah, yeah, indeed <laughs> We're in school and Sabrina, Harvey and Dreamer are discussing their futures and the detention slips they've just received. Mr. Kraft calls Dreamer new girl because he, like us, forgot her existence. Uh, It turns out that Mr. Kraft just doesn't get a thrill out of being a mean old principal anymore and has a meeting with the school career counsellor, who, get this boys, within his office is hosing, hosing, housing, a brand new School poster, boys. Wonderful. For 2000. Wonderful. Wonderful. It says, I mean, this is really good. It really definitely applies to if you are listening to this and you do feel inspired to, um, you know, start farming or something like that. Um, it, the poster says, never settle for less than your best. What if you settle for more or less of your best? What if you settle for more than your best? What if you just don't settle for anything other than your worst? Then I think you end up in an insane asylum. Okay. You travel back in time to when such things were called insane asylums. You end up trapped in a Victorian asylum. You don't want to do that. So, yeah, listen to the poster. Um, So, yeah, so he takes a few pamphlets for new career opportunities and Sabs overhears that he's wanting to change jobs and goes to spill the beans to Hilda. Salem just hopes that he doesn't end up moving in as, he says, there's nothing sadder than a man who freeloads off a woman. And may I remind you that I'm a cat. That was very funny. It was quite funny, but I'm 90% sure he's already told that joke a couple of episodes ago. 
I think so. It's definitely a, a theme that they've settled into. I think particularly in this season, they've settled into a theme of Salem kind of like having a dig at the, the Spellman girls and them kind of like owning him, you know, him. Or if they don't own him, it's kind of obvious the hypocrisy of what he's saying, which is obviously with this and him qualifying it, qualifying it with, need I remind you I'm a cat. I loved them kind of like being really uh, Dreamer and Harvey and Sabrina being really uh, kind of saddened that Mr. Craft's heart wasn't in making their life hell. Like, <laughs> that, that was a really, yeah. really funny uh, juxtaposition. It's that moment of, wait, you've, be, you've been doing this not because you enjoy it, you've been doing this because you you can that's not okay yeah as 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 excited as she is and stuff it, it's nice to know that even when a meanie is not being as mean as they normally are it still it calls for concern yeah just yeah just that yeah he's not crushing our youthful spirit with any enthusiasm at the moment yeah it's just, didn't, it's didn't he also say he wanted to be a rodeo clown or something was yeah, yeah he says a, a, a rodeo the, clown the yeah. guy that's where the um pull-out gag um, is is in that scene because it starts off zoomed on the career advisor, so you think he's going to be advising one of the kids, and the cam and Melissa spins the camera around, and it's uh, it's Willard. So uh... having a chat about his career and um, well, or, or, or you know, dwindling one, and uh, yeah, so it's you know one of the one of the pamphlets he actually takes is on rodeo clowning. So um, yeah, I guess that's booming in Westbridge. Um, well, it's, yeah. it's it stands to reason a... for his character loving westerns and whatnot. So it is being a cowboy, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, I, and I think what it later transpires is his dream, his character consistent as well. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll find out, um, obviously, about what uh, Mr. Kraft's uh, um, you know, childhood dream is very shortly. Um, but before that, though, Zelda says that she's spoken to Willard and has advised him to go and find a new job that'll make him happy. Speaking of happy, Mr. Craft announces that he's leaving Westbridge High and a huge bacchanal rages on with confetti, fanfares and Graham's favourite kind of kiss. One of those swoony tipping ones. Yes, that a dip we, kiss. Uh, dip kiss. A dip, dip kiss. kiss. Dip kiss. It's a recreation, of course, of the uh, famous picture of uh, the sailor kissing the nurse Um when uh, the end of World War Two was declared, uh, was not her boyfriend. She did not consent to it. After the picture was taken, she slapped him across the face. Oh, well, there we go. History and art buff here, and, and general buff, uh, Graham Riley there. That is, what, that is what they call me in the army, general buff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back at the Spellman house, and Mr. Kraft is doubting whether he's made the right decision, but Zelda encourages him to try something new because he's a talented and brilliant man. Speaking of which, we're then treated to a bloody wonderful, brilliant montage um, of um, of Mr. Kraft trying different jobs, and this was uh, great. Particularly, the I'm still kind of scarred by it because I don't quite know what it's all about but he's dressed as kind of like a strange Caribbean children's entertainer dancing with a terrifying puppet at one point um, but yeah we just see Mr. Crafts up just trying different jobs and getting um, hit or just assaulted for it and yeah this was this was very very funny and it's it's kind of just reminding me obviously as, as you know talking about it retrospectively um, this is a great outing for, for Martin Mull this entire episode it is a great outing for Martin Mull but um, and I did enjoy this montage but this is my favourite time of the show. Because, Phil, did you watch the DVD version? I did, yes. And was it therefore soundtracked by something generic? I, I think it was. I can't remember it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it must have okay, been. Okay, it was. Okay. Yeah, so, something. yes, this is my favourite point of the show. 
because now the boot is on the other shoe. Wait, shit. I am in control. And I get to ask you, what song do you think soundtracked this montage? What pop song of the era? Is it related to jobs? Is it like... Not really. It's to, to, it's a very sort of feel-good kind of, yeah, you could do it kind of song. Um, it was ubiquitous. Ubiquitous in um, films, particularly children's films during the time. That's a clue I can give you. Two guesses. Okay. Um, was it a 10,000 Maniacs song? <laughs> no! I they, were, they were huge if if if, if past Sabrina's seasons have told us anything uh, no, no i don't think there's any ubiquitous 10,000 maniac songs particularly not um in the 2000 um i'm i'm probably i'm probably years out of it um could it be um one week by bare naked ladies no but ca- ca- kind of song. kind of ballpark i think that song was actually already out by then uh, but the correct answer was that this um montage was soundtracked to smash mouth's all-star no way! Yes, it was. A whole year before it was used on Shrek, I think, which I believe was 2001. So uh, there you go. Wonderful. But yeah, join this um, you know, montage. Um, yeah, as I said, he's um, he tries basketball, which he looks he looks really really funny in a, in anything to do with like sport. This basketball outfit and him just he just looks really really silly in it. I think I think like extremely middle aged people just look very funny in athletic wear. Or just anyway, it's just like, I don't know, like, like when my dad wears shorts, it's just a bit funny. <laughs> Seeing his shins is just funny, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, let's just like, talk about my dad wearing shorts, which is just like, <laughs> So, uh, yeah. But yeah, he's, it's a bit, yeah, so Marvel's there just as, um, you know, he's, he's doing basketball, um, and he gets, gets a, a ball in the balls. Um, he's doing some painting, and someone pays him for a painting so they can just twat him over the head with it um he does tattooing and he misspells mother on a you know a aggressive guy's um arm i also love that this really stereotypical uh, in stereotypical in the sense of it's only ever seen in really movies and tv but the outfit that martin Moore's wearing just everything's leather even a leather bandana um doing the tattooing uh, and as mentioned before yeah he's he's i don't know he's dressed in like an hawaiian shirt that he's actually rolled up so you can you know you can see his midriff um and he's dancing towards children with this creepy puppet dressed in the same thing and a parent slaps him and i just don't understand what he's doing but it was very funny well, but also it, very it, very it alarming quite, it was quite <laughs> clear that he was a children's entertainer of some sort which had uh, a, ventrilo- a ventriloquist act within it but um i thought i thought that even though as outrageous as it was is still very character character consistency with with um mr craft in the sense that um you know it might be a bit strange that he's done children's entertaining but what his idea of entertaining children is is so outdated yes Yes. just bizarre i think it's it's, is very right with his character and also just like a lot of old children children's entertainment is creepy when you look back at it now it's that kind of thing and you know you can actually kind of would think like Oh, kid, kids today, you know, could learn a lot from, uh, you know, uh, the children's entertainment I grew up with. They could learn a lot from, like, Howdy Doody or whatever. And so, yeah, he thinks he'll do that. And it backfires massively. It was all very character consistent. Yeah, very much so. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's nice to see Mr. Crafts willing to try something new. Uh, but, obviously, it's uh, he's, he's awful at everything. But, yeah, a very, very funny montage. And uh, after further encouragement from Sabrina, he takes her advice to, literally, uh, to then lead Josh to introduce Sabrina to her new shift partner, Will and I just thought just him being referred to as Will is very funny. 
um, Mr. Craft. He's just trying. He's trying something new, just to be very hip. And uh, yeah, he's just gone first, so he's now going to be called Will because it's a new millennium. Excuse me, Will any? <laughs> and uh, Chris, two questions. Um, what are we referring to uh, when we talk about the Willennium? No, I don't know. Uh, and also, obviously, we mentioned the coffee shop, which is called what, Chris? <laughs> Something beam. The worst thing about this is, I know it's coming, and I still haven't fucking learned. Yeah, well, the coffee shop is called Willennium. So now you know. <laughs> right, okay, time. the coffee shop's called Willennium. Got it. Yeah. So Sabrina tells Hilda that she has to help uh, her get Mr. Craft, or sorry, Will, um, excuse me, Willennium out of the coffee house. And just as they decide to keep it a secret from Zelda, she too decides to get him out of that waste of space hole in the wall. Zelda goes to remind him of his childhood dreams the mortal way, whilst Hilda and Sabrina head to the lab top, again, we've not seen that for a while, uh, to brew some dream come true potion, which takes the form of a super soaker uh, that when sprayed turns anyone into to the profession or uh, person that they want to be or rather it kind of just gives them the encouragement and costume to um, to fulfill their childhood dreams they test it out on Salem who gets uh, sprayed with it and uh, yeah turns into a fireman because apparently that's what he wanted to be as a child he does now he's the only one who is straight away in the costume that is true everyone else just has the idea and later on later on adopts the costume when they put it into practice so there's some inconsistency there with that spell. I, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Graham, but you're gonna you're gonna bring into question the inconsistencies of a spell in Sabrina after ev- in season four. In, se- in season four, yes, 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 I in am. In season four, the, that you're picking now, the, this this episode to to go. There's some inconsistencies with that spell. Just because we've stopped pointing it out doesn't mean we're okay with it. <laughs> that's that's extremely yeah, okay. true. Um, as 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 we will be reminded uh, when we meet Brad um, very very shortly, we will be reminded. Okay, occasionally, we need to remind people that this isn't okay, and it has been noted. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I said yeah, bit of inconsistency there. So Salem turns into a fireman because it turns out he's always wanted to be a uh, firefighter, and fortunately for everyone who has the honor of watching this episode he is dressed as a fireman for the remainder of the episode which is uh, yes, just is. remarkable and that's that's both of them puppet salem and real cat salem uh, oh yes yes my question here though it, 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 it's about salem and it's about salem's want to be a fire person there are moments in the rest of this episode that lead me to believe that the reason why he wishes to be a fire person is not for the rush of fighting a fire, but it is for the rush of being around firemen. That's that's extremely true because later on in the episode, he um, he got gets stuck up a tree and, and a you know a hunky fireman sort of gets him pulls him down and he says um, you know not not to worry about you, but we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go back and see the boys and we're gonna watch something and eat some chili or something, which is a very weird thing to say. Um, it's not really the thing you want to eat and then rush out to go and rescue a fire. But um, it's, yeah, and Salem again mentioned something like, you know, he wants to be with the guys and stuff. So I think he kind of just wants to be associated with firemen without actually doing any firefighting. I think that's very on brand for Salem, actually. He doesn't want to do anything actually heroic. He just wants to hang out with some guys. And, and wear the red suspenders. <laughs> and wear the red suspenders and just have the feeling of, yeah, I'm important. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you know, honourable, but not actually do any of the uh, stuff. Although he does fight a few 
very small, very self-created uh, fires during this episode. It also raises an interesting point. In order for Salem's childhood dream to be that he wanted to be a firefighter, he would have to have been a child when firefighters were a thing. Now, we know Hilda and Zelda were children in the Middle Ages, mm. before firefighters. So, is Salem a lot younger than they are? I don't know. I mean, would would it have made you happy if he said, I wanted to be a fireman, and he turned into, you know, if we're going to get consistent with the time frame, he was just turned into a well <laughs> no, they were no. I, I, they, they, they were, they were, they were the Middle Ages. Uh, you know, the firefighters in the Middle Ages. He wanted to be a modern day fireman, I get, but like they literally, they literally didn't exist as a job until maybe like the early eighteen hundreds or something. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, so it suggests that that was when he was a child, which would suggest he's a good few hundred years younger than they are. Hmm. Something to think about. Too much to, too think, much to about. think about. But yeah, it's. Um, but I mean, I think we should completely disregard it because, guys, he's dressed as a fireman for the rest of the episode, and that's just the beginning. It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> oh. um, so yeah, so back at uh, the coffee shop, uh, Willennium, uh, Harvey and Brad <laughs> order a coffee, and Will is all too happy to make it and asks these two peepsters if they're savvy to any raves this weekend. <laughs> Again, he's just, he's just trying out something new with the with the with the younger crew. He also says something's L seven. It's like a derogatory. Like he quit yeah, with the principal because it was L seven. Is he referring to the band? I don't, I, I couldn't. I didn't get that. There's a band called L seven. There was there was a band called L seven. Um, in... I know there was a band called S Club Seven. Oh well, a, a better band uh, called S Club Seven. L Seven was that, that, that the the Mexican um, sort of <laughs> export of S Club Seven. L Seven were like an early nineties sort of grunge, sort of riot girl kind of band. So I think the joke is that he's kind of a bit behind on his youth culture. Well, yeah, he asked them if he wanted to go for a rave. So yeah, he's definitely a few. Uh... I think the idea is that his youth culture references are, are like stuck in like nineteen ninety one. I think that's the joke. And didn't he refer to them as Gen Xers as well? Yes, Gen Xers exactly. And that's why he that's why he called himself Will because he says, yeah, he's got to get in with the with the Gen Xers. And if they're yeah. still in high school in 2000, then they would be the oldest millennials. So there you go. So whilst distracted by the coffees he's got to make, Sabrina soaks Will with the gun and he suddenly rushes off to do something more important. Sabrina relaxes a little too early as Brad snatches the super soaker from her and sprays Harvey. Of course, Brad here holding a magical concoction and spraying a potion into Harvey who then magically changes his personality. And nothing. No no tingling sensation, no like, oh my god, suspiciousness, what's what's all this? He's actually holding a an actual created magical relic and just, just it, nothing. Yeah, mate, it, it's because of the sunspots. We're not at the end of the season yet, admittedly. Maybe there's a big twist with Brad coming. What? What's the big twist? He's never been a witch hunter before at all, and uh, it was just put in place because it was sounded like a good idea by the writers. Because, to be perfectly fucking honest with you, he is by far the worst, and I mean this, the worst witch hunter there has ever been. He has been around magic for fuck knows how long right now. He's quite literally, in this episode actively participated in magical shenanigans and it's not for the first time and lo and fucking behold nothing why the fuck did you bother creating that character sabrina writers what, because what's the fuck what's his point what's his purpose he serves no fucking purpose why is he there no one fucking knows when I mean, you see why is he there he never is there pretty much 
That's even truer. We are like we're halfway through this season now, and which, you know, witch hunter out of these fourteen episodes, including this one, being being a witch hunter, he's only been involved in like three of those episodes. Um, into because he's been in more episodes than that, but as in his witch hunter gene has actually only been a part of th- about three episodes yeah. so far. And you know, I I have a feeling it's going to continue for the remaining of the season. Um, it's just it's and, just annoying. Oh, but it, but of course, of course it will come it will culminate until to one major episode towards the but end. But it probably. fucking shouldn't, Phil. They've got a whole season to play around with this idea, and they're not doing it. They've had one close call. That's about it. So you know, they should have just introduced a new new friend for Harvey. And they should have just introduced a new friend for Sabrina because Dreamer is also completely surplus. Again, we, we, we forget that she's there, but also the fact that Sabrina's supposed to be coaching her and she's not, she doesn't spend enough time around with this her. And is the first episode, I think, since episode two that all of Mr. Craft, Dreamer, um, the all, yeah, that all of Mr. Craft, Dreamer and Brad are in. Um, mm. But nothing is done with, well, something's done with Craft, but he's already well established from the previous two seasons, but nothing is done with Dreamer or Brad. At all, they they are serving no fucking purpose in fourteen episodes. And what? There's another ten left. Yeah, they gave them these magical properties, but they may as well just have been Valerie and Ramage. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd much prefer Ramage. Yeah, they should just made Ramage a regular character. That's yeah. So yeah, so yeah, we we get Brad just spraying Harvey. Uh, Sabrina ducks out of the way. Harvey gets uh, Super Soaker to the face. Uh, meanwhile, a scumbag steals... Sorry, I shouldn't really jump to the conclusion. I've written him as a scumbag. He could very well just be a, a really struggling um, normal it, guy. Like it could be, it could be, yeah, it could be, it could be desperate. It could be desperate. Don't, don't be so quick to judge, Phil. Okay, so, so, so a man steals the tip jar and Harvey chases after him to protect the citizens and rescue the cash. He then returns seconds later with the burglar, sorry, with, 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 the, with the desperate man, potentially, uh, and his new mighty teen costume and skateboard. A skateboard? That carries him up into the sky at that. And again, Brad just goes, Is that Kinkle flying? What's Kinkle doing? It's like you've just sprayed him with a fucking magical potion and now he's doing fucking superhero shit and you can't put two and two together, you fucking bellend. Get a grip, lad. Get a grip. It's like one It's like one writer came up with that idea and didn't tell the others or something. It's, it's <laughs> The idea of him being a witch hunter is terrible. Like, this idea is so good. I'm only going to use it in the episodes I write. No, it's like no one's copying. No one's. Copying. He's got his arm yeah. over his over his scripts and his notes the whole time. Yeah. But as soon as um, I heard him say uh, that he was the mighty teen, a um, a memory was sparked in my mind, and I knew that soon he would say, "If there is trouble around, the mighty teen will be found." I remembered that catchphrase. That's the only thing I remember about the episode. I didn't even know it was from Sabrina, but that's been rattling around in my head for the last twenty years. Bloody and now hell. I know. Did it feel like a? To get, get some relief. Want closure, closure, absolutely. Out. Big big time closure. Well, there we go. There we go. If you take anything away from this podcast that isn't to do with farming or uh, or just Chris's hairy chest, then it be, let it be that, that this episode has given closure to a very troubling part of Graham's life of the last sub two decades. I think it's added an extra hour onto my sleep every night. But when I settle down, I'll be no longer be like, oh, the mighty team, what the fuck was that from? Oh... Just Google it. No, don't bother. Oh, you've got to go to sleep. That's not going to happen anymore. So uh, 
there you go. Uh, back home, and Serena learns that the dream come true spell will only come to an end when a dream comes true, which, according to Harvey's flying skateboard, is more than merely stopping a two-bit uh, crook or a uh, struggling, uh, desperate man. Um, Salem, too, is still in his adorable fireman get-up as he's rescued by a real fireman, as we said, and then real cat Salem runs upstairs, still dressed as a fireman, which is... Very, very nice. This cat, I think, is petrified because I've never seen a cat run so fast. But yeah, he's, he's still got a you know a little jacket and hat on, which is uh, really adorable. Yep, real real cat is wearing a jacket and a hat, which must be uh, strapped to his head, yeah. you would imagine. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Imagine the fuss. Um, Zelda, meanwhile, is reading a cheerful email from Willard as he's realising his dream, which isn't as grounded as what Zelda thinks it is. Uh, it's rather quite the opposite of being uh, grounded. He dreams of flying across the Atlantic. Uh, back at school, meanwhile, and Harvey is taken to wearing glasses to conceal his identity, which you know, was very funny. Uh, but it isn't long before he transforms into Mighty Teen to restock the school bathrooms with toilet paper. Uh, it also comes to light that Mighty, Te- Mighty Teen's true purpose is to save the world, allegedly. Touched on there about, yeah, Mr. Craft is uh, told Zelda that, uh, yeah, I'm realising my dream is going to be wonderful. And he wants to mimic his uh, hero, Mr. Mr. Charles Lindbergh, um, of, uh, yeah, just flying a rickety piece of shit over the Atlantic and uh, being kind of famous for it. Well, I think that's very on brand with uh, Wordcraft's character. I love the fact that, like, because, like, I'm not sure on the exact year of Charles Lindbergh. He was the first man to fly over the Atlantic. That was his claim to fame. Um, and his plane was called the Spirit of St. Louis, which is why um, Mr. Craft's plane is called the Spirit of Westbridge. Um, but yeah, it was like in, I don't know, 1920s or 1930s? 1927. There you go. Well done. Oh, someone's Googled, for fuck's sake. Very nice. I did. I wanted to find out what... Because what, you just kept, kept calling him Lindy or Lindbergh, so I wanted to find out what the hell's this chap's first name. Charles Augustus Lindbergh. So, yes, yeah, so, so he flew over the Atlantic. He was the first guy to do it. But obviously that would have been a good 30 years or something before Mr. Craft was even born. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Just the fact that even when he was a little kid, he was, like, looking at somebody from, like, the 1920s being like, that's what I want to be. It was like, yeah, he was never cool. He was always a man out of time. <laughs> I love that. Always behind, yeah. Very much so. And, and yeah, the fact that he's just like... Because it's not even like, I want to be a... I want to learn to be a pilot or whatever. He's like, I want to just fly this plane, uh, fly a plane over this, the ocean, just like this other bloke did. He's, he's still kind of, even his childhood dreams aren't on an ambitious level where he wants to become known for something. He still wants to kind of just shadow somebody. It's, it's just absolute, um, but it's just absolute nonsense. Like by the time he was growing up, there would have been like a dozen planes flying over the Atlantic every day with like people on them, and he wants to be like this one guy who did it on his own, like thirty years before he was born. It's yeah, it's just fantastically nonsensical. It, like, it's it's so odd. Like I said, nonsensical is is the perfect word for it. That's what Mister Craft is. He's just none of his hopes and dreams make sense, but he's still kind of still rooting for oh, him to find at least absolutely. some happiness. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it is very funny. But yeah, incredibly, even in the most odd, um, you know, bizarre ways that it forms that Mr. Craft does take, I do think so much care is taken into them to still make it character consistent, even with just those little snippets of how he acts or how he dresses in those jobs that we saw in the montage. He is a good person to have the childhood dream thing happen to. 
because he isn't like a lot of kind of really petty middle-aged men he isn't so many ways still a little boy like he's always had that kind of thing to him that he's never truly grown up and that's why he is the way he is so yeah he's a perfect person to be kind of magicked into living out their childhood dream because he's kind of never really resigned himself to the fact he's an adult and he needs to find joy from that so the only way he has ever been able to find joy is by making young people's lives a misery meanwhile over at mr craft's place he's been busy building his very own rickety airplane which um he says to zelda um oh of course you won't believe what i've what i've called it and she's like oh my god you shouldn't have Oh, you didn't, because it turns out, uh, yeah, she thought it was going to be called, like, the Spirit of Zelda, but yeah, the Spirit of Spirit of Westbridge. It, it should have been the Spirit of Zuzu. Yes. The Spirit of Zuzu, there, yeah. There we go. We get an actual plane, though. Yeah, we do, yes. yeah. So... An actual plane, a red, red, um, you know, it was like my plane with Spirit of Westbridge on it, and with, with pieces missing, because he's still in the process of actually building it. So, Chris, what, what do you think they did here? Do you think that they threw the set at the plane? And it shattered into pieces, and then they re- rebuilt the set around the plane. I I think I think what they did was they found um, an airfield with a red aeroplane in it, and then built the garage around the aeroplane uh, just to film that one scene. Because you can't move the plane, can you? Like they don't. They no, fam- you can't. Famously, famously, they don't. They don't move. They can only fly. Famously, planes are immovable objects. You can only fly, and I know this for a fact. Um, that the uh, studio where they shot Sabrina didn't have its own airfield, so mm. I don't know how else they could yeah. have done it. I think yeah. I think that is it. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they they basically they found a plane and then they built the set around the plane. Yeah. Unfortunately, there was no throwing of any set this time around, but there the, the, there was building of set. But the point yeah. is, makes sense. The plane could not come to them. They had to come to the plane. Uh, so he's packed his Spirit of Westbridge uh, with everything his hero, Charles Lindbergh, packed his plane with, which is uh, like a, a bologna sandwich and a deck chair and sort of other things as well. Um, Zelda, although supportive of this new venture, is concerned about his lack of aviation experience. However, it becomes apparent that he's magically gained tremendous flying knowledge. So Zelda goes to find out why this has literally magically happened. Uh, the witches in question are looking through Mighty Teen comic books for clues on how Harvey can fulfil his dream, by which point one of Graham's dreams comes true in the form of witnessing, yet again, real Cat Salem wearing a cat-tailored firefighter's outfit, driving a cat-tailored fire engine, who then climbs up a tiny ladder and sits next to a fire. Fucking yes. So beautiful. This was so beautiful. This wonderful, it's kind of like a 1950s, 1960s, uh, you know, like miniature fire engine. Is it an REO Speedwagon? I don't know. But it was it was so beautiful. And then, yeah, you've got the, the real Cat Salem, as it always is when he's in the cars. And he's got the, the jacket and the hat on. And then, yeah, he goes up a little... How did they get the cat to go up the ladder? He just gets up a tiny fucking ladder. What a talented ladder. What a talented cat. He's, get, he's getting really close to the fire. I don't really like that. Oh. I think they put the pet in a lot of danger there. But nonetheless, like, yeah, just just a wonderful set piece. You get no warning. It's just all of a sudden you hear Salem like, out the way, out the way. And then all of a sudden this little fire engine's going across the room. And, oh, oh it's, as, it's... As good as this is, it's still not my favourite part of um, Cat Salem in this entire episode. Um, we will get to that soon, but yeah, for now, yeah, this, this, the, the entire sketch is <laughs> yes. just so, so brilliant. Yeah. They, they, they did a bit, and it was a very, very entertaining bit. I loved it. 
obviously, as you see that um, me and me and Graham obviously full of so much giddiness talking about this. Uh, Chris stayed quiet for the uh, whole time because he's more of a dog man, aren't you, Chris? He literally owns a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but why, which but, is but, why I want a dog because <laughs> I'm aware of what cats are like. They are evil bastards. You've had that cat for how long, and how many fires has it put out in your home? Zero. Nada. Yes, but I wouldn't put it past him to start one. Start one. But you wouldn't get that from uh, from a dogman if you did take a, a dogman. You got a Bob no. Dogman. If I had a Bob Dogman, it'd all be fine. If you had a porn star that could transform himself into a dog, yeah, all your problems I'd would be solved. That. Yeah. yeah, all my problems would be solved. Check out our episode, our TJF episode for any kind of fucking clue what we're talking about <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. um yeah despite it being an absolutely abhorrent show um yeah the teen angel segment is uh, i think is is very good in that episode but yeah that's our um our tgif so an annoyed zelda comes home to question her sister and niece and the dream come true potion comes to light particularly when mighty teen rocks up in the kitchen looking for trouble and speaking of trouble mr craft has miraculously gotten his airplane up in the air and considering that sabrina is responsible for the spell she has to go and protect him and stop him from you know dying um Again, I think this was just in the exact. Do you remember that episode? I think it was last season. Um, or it might be the start of this one. Um, so so long ago now. Where uh, there's just suddenly loads of shots of of transport. Remember they get in a car that zooms off, and then a plane, and then do you remember that? Like the start of one episode. Yes, a lot of stock uh, footage of a, of a BMW was along. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think I think just any any just random appearances of stock footage makes me laugh. This in particular, where they just go, "Where's Mister Craft? Oh, he's there, and he's just just this plane in the air." And you think, "That's Mister Craft up there." Um, but yeah, he's he's up in the sky, uh, just trying his best. Um, he's now acquired a full aviator costume, hasn't he? With the oh yes, yes. Sorry, like, I didn't like, mention like that. Yes, costume with the the leather flying cap and the you know the the woolly coat and everything he's got the mustache as well looks like uh winston from uh, the mummy good shout mate yeah. yeah very good pull again still costume very very character consistent with mr craft in the passenger seat uh, sabrina convinces mr craft that she's an hallucination and in good time too as she stops the engine from failing and killing him and her mr craft gets a little too cocky in the cockpit and decides that his flying could be more interesting so he does a few loop-de-loops and corkscrews and barrel rolls and he runs out of gas and the plane ret- uh, returns to nosediving towards a gruesome death Sabrina can't even fix it because in the one of the, the special moves of what he's doing with the plane, um, she just bangs her finger and bruises it so much she can't straighten her finger and use her magic. Again, um, never happened before. Yeah. Yeah, it's never happened before. It's just lazy writing. It's like magic glue all over again. I know we, we don't oh, like to keep bringing no, it up, let, but it's like not, that. Just let's not, let's not revisit magic glue. A lame-ass reason why something there. can't happen. We did learn how it's pretty easy to immobilise a witch. You'd think that, like... Just break a finger. Yeah, exactly. The fact you'd think, oh, the fact they've not got a gun, the fact that their magic, you know, that their power to hurt you or do whatever they want to you is attached to their person gives them an advantage. But not really. <laughs> Just... Bump. No, put them in... Put put a witch in a Chinese finger trap and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. You sorted. You've got them. You've got them. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got them. So... Yeah, just yeah, just step on their finger. You know what, chaps? I think I think you, the pair of you, have just solved the uh, the gun problem in America. Stick them all in Chinese finger traps. 
No, I, th- I think yeah, I think you've misunderstood. I think we've solved the 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 witch problem in in America. I think I think yeah, I think that's what you're getting confused at. Yeah. Oh, Chinese finger traps generally can't fit guns in. Them. Yeah, we 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 were we were we did mention briefly guns, Chris, but no, you've you your eyes are crossed. Shoot, you can shoot, you can shoot, you can shoot the gun with your other hand. Yeah. Um, we're, we're talking about uh, yeah. witches and the finger so we've solved that problem so you know if you are a witch hunter out there uh, obviously hopefully a bit more um, inept than better than Brad, better than Brad. Um, then yeah just a few um, Chinese finger traps pretty much sorted um, so yeah she bruises a finger oh boo hoo and uh, yeah that's it they're all going down and they're about to uh, die uh, the bickering ensues between the pair but the plane miraculously levels out and continues to fly all because a certain mighty teen is underneath carrying it to safety and boys that frame of the plane uh martin mulness joan hart in it and nate richard just kind of playing on his shoulder on his skateboard what a great image that is that is Glorious. that is i think i think they've reached a point where nothing that's horribly cgi like that is is shonky and shonky is probably our favorite word off the podcast um but yeah this looks this looks great this looks proper like just looks they've so ironed out all the creases and this is this is it this is something that's totally magic but it's yeah it just looks great it's really really I, fun i don't know why melissa joan hart hasn't directed a marvel film yet <laughs> yeah, exactly I mean, they, they want to bring in more female directors boom right there right there you know I think she could she could do the Mighty Teen film, which I believe is coming out in twenty twenty five. Yeah, I think they should give that to her. I don't think this uh, appearance was canon, though. I don't think it, it it actually. I don't think Harvey being the Mighty Teen is part of the MTU. It's the Mighty Teen Universe, folks. Oh, God, but, um, okay, okay. but but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think she's yeah, I think she's got a penchant for uh, directing a, a superhero film. I would like to see it. Yeah, she realised, and she's she's done a lot of um, a lot of directing, especially over the last ten years. I think she does a lot of yeah. Hallmark Channel things, but also like yeah. I think guest guest appearance on uh, like guest director slots and and things. Um, but no, she no, she. I think I think she's she's. I've seen obviously some of her stuff in the more recent years. You know, she's very very good, and this is it shows it's you know even from a young age she was. What, what about like twenty five at this point? Yeah, she's like twenty three, twenty four here, so it's yeah. very, 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 very impressive. But yeah, so yeah, she's she's definitely got got the right tools and the right you know just right frame of mind um, to to frame a scene. So um, yeah, I very much enjoyed that shot. So yeah, so Mycetine is underneath the plane carrying it to safety. Uh, they land, and Sabrina can't believe that she's dating a hero. And Mister Kraft can't believe that he's landed safely in Paris. Obviously, he's not. Uh, but in an effort to make Mister Kraft complete his childhood dream. Um, Sabrina makes all the kids of Westbridge High run outside celebrating wearing berets and just speaking French. That was so amusing. And Brad, and Brad speaks French as well. He's better at being French than a witch hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And and he says, uh, what was it? Uh, Welcome, Mr. Fromage. Welcome, Mr. Cheese. Yeah. And uh, again, another moment of Brad, a spell's just been cast on your lad. You're a witch hunter. You've done fuck all about it. He should be immune. He should be immune from spells. Yeah. He should be. He, he can now inexplicably talk French. He's the shittest witch hunter I've ever seen, and I've seen a fair few. Even <laughs> if, <laughs> even if he had, um, you know, he'd spoken a bit more in French, and we had subtitles, and he was saying, you know, like, oh, "Welcome back, Mister Craft." And Mister Craft left the scene, and it stayed on him, and he was speaking in French, saying something like, "Why am I speaking French?" Because even that—that's something. Yeah. Because everyone who's under a spell obviously just gets on the lives. They just 
you know, suddenly all French and they're like, oh, that's fine. That's just our lives have been affected by magic. But he should recognize that for some reason he's speaking French. Um, and yeah, the fact that they don't even bother doing something like that, it's just like, oh, look, there he is just saying, um, you know, Mr. Fromage or Pantalon Jambon or whatever he says. I did enjoy how wonderfully shit and stupid everybody coming out wearing berets was. <laughs> it was so lame. It's, it's an abu- it, Also, it's an amusing visual, a whole crowd of people wearing berets. Because contrary to popular belief, everybody in France doesn't wear a beret. <laughs> so seeing, seeing just a whole throng of people wearing berets coming out the door was brilliant. Um, and obviously, contrary to popular belief, no one would really celebrate or care in France. They just... just yeah, shit. Not, not, they, not, they, not, not now. Just no. be like, who is, who is this idiot that's just landed the plane? We're the idiot. Uh, no, no. Actually, what you don't realize is that every time a plane lands at Charles de Gaulle from uh, America, <laughs> the Everyone. people of Paris, every hour, you don't get any work done. <laughs> everyone runs. Everyone runs out in the berets and just go, oh, "Major, welcome, welcome," and that's it. That's just yeah. every. Yeah, you say they don't get work done, but that's their job. That's, that's their, their job. Um... <laughs> Greeter. Still very funny that that's how he has to fulfil his childhood dream of landing in Paris, because um, I guess that's what Charles Lindbergh did. And um, yeah, and he's 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 happy, and his that spell has seemingly been broken. Um, and then we get a nice little bit. Obviously, we've had a lot of daftness, a lot, a lot of silliness, but then we get a really nice. Um, oh, this is sort of, sort of just uh, just a couple of words from uh, from Mycetine. Um, Sabrina asks Mighty Team what it will take to stop him from going off to save the world, to which he replies, he already has, because she is his world. Aww. Aww. Very nice. And he then obviously transforms back to normal and questions why everyone's French. Um, But yeah, again, very nice that still, I know he's under this... uh, this guy, this guy, this character being a superhero, it's still Harvey underneath, and yeah, that's you know that's still true words spoken by um, by Harvey in that sense, which is which is very nice. It's very cute. He just needed to save Sabrina. Speaking of saving, we've easily um, saved the best bit till last because uh, the credits roll and Mr. Craft has returned to being principal and Salem is still dressed as a fireman and still driving a fire engine. He reveals that he's posed for a sexy fireman's calendar. And again, <laughs> and again, it's a real cat dressed as a yes, fireman, but the cat is genuinely looking really seductive. <laughs> like it's, it's a, The cat is genuinely really sexy. And it's the, just... The cat is... The cat's seducing you with its signs. It's, it's like, like a... Oh, you want this, but you cannot have this. This is all mine oh my mm. god it's like a fucking picture of tom jones in 1972 <laughs> or something it's it's incredible it's such yeah. a sexy cat smoldering it's, it's uh, the the eyes the eyes in this cat oh my god like you know i had to turn it off we also didn't mention how salem comes to um achieve his dream oh he sets um he set hilda's he, hairbrush on yeah on but he's, he, he, he says i had to deal with a s- severe brush fire which obviously is when the landscape catches fire. That's what they call it. They call it a brush fire. But then Hilda comes down and she's like, you're going to have to buy me a new one of these or something because he set a hairbrush on fire. Whacker. And indeed, whacker. It was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, Oh, I thought it was quite funny. Was a yeah, no, no, it, yeah, silly very gag, yeah. It was amusing. Yeah, it was amusing. And again, again, I think very consistent with Salem how he knew what he had to do. And he still yep. fulfilled his childhood dream without actually doing it. He's he's found yeah. a really cheap, small scale workaround, but that has satisfied him. 
But in his mind, he's achieved his childhood dream now, so that's just another string to his bow. He's like, yeah, well, most people never achieve their childhood dreams, but I did. And, yeah, you know, I, he, can, he can sort of say that now. Yeah, I set a hairbrush on fire. Um, but yeah, still, I mean, as well, obviously, um, if his next next dream was to just be a really sexy cat, he's, he's really done it. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, again, they've managed to get that cat dressed in the outfit, but also still enough to, to, to take a really smouldering picture. Oh. Imagine the sexy fuss. <laughs> oh, imagine. Ima- imagine the sexy puss. Oh, <laughs> oh my days. Feline sexy, Indeed. gentlemen. Hmm. Right, this 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 gives me a moment of pause. It was a bit whiskey, wasn't it? But, uh... <laughs> and there we go, boys. That is the end of uh, episode fourteen. And my gosh, what an end that was! Um, it was entitled "Superhero." Um, obviously, mentioned at the top that I, in particular, very much enjoyed this episode, and, and we generally had very favourable reviews of it as well. But uh, yeah, dissecting it all, was this still uh, as good as you remembered it being? Yeah, it was a, it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, I mean, we've obviously got our massive, massive problems with characters that were set out as being one thing and ended up being nothing. But we also have two more longer-term characters who were explored very well in this episode and a lot of good gags. So I hope it rates well because I did enjoy it a lot. Absolutely. And, and speaking of rating, because obviously that's what we then do now, because at the end of every episode, we like to rate it um, with a certain criteria. Uh, the marks that we give it are uh, normally scored out of five, and they cover magic, wit, creativity, and say it with me, boys, progression. Um, so first of all, boys, magic. Just how magical was this episode? I mean, straight off the bat, we 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 had the we had the laptop back. That was nice. And we had the the super soaker. Other than that, not really magical. Yeah, there wasn't many instances of magic, but those those magical spells, like you know the, the you know turning the dream come true potion, was obviously that's what created the entire episode more or less. So uh, it was still the magic that magic was still running through, you know, until the until yeah, the but credits, it wasn't anyway. it wasn't particularly a magical episode. There was essentially one main spell okay i'll give it a point for one main spell and i'll probably give it a point for the type of spell so i'm gonna go with two yeah two's probably about right yeah i think so yeah so uh, you know despite that the spell taking form in the entire episode yeah you know there's only someone's being a bit resentful one, 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 one spell being what about uh wit just how funny was this sitcom I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot. I I laughed not at all. Oh, yes. Mm. You, other than because you were ironing, no one laughs while they're ironing, Chris. Oh, no, I've laughed while I was ironing. You fucking weirdo. Uh, so, wits. <laughs> so, so I think, yeah, the um, the montages, I think, were, were you know, was, was funny, you know, with Mr. Mr. Craft. I thought that was very, very funny, very well put together. Um, yeah, I know that's obviously a couple of good gags. I, I obviously, Salem in a fireman's outfit isn't meant to be as funny as we find it but i still you know it, it's if it's supposed to be funny it bloody well worked so i i'd say wit scores quite highly 
I think a four. I think a four. I would pitch a four as well. So I honestly I, do. Just it was just very, some very good character comedy, which mm. is the best kind of comedy, especially when you're in season four of a uh, sitcom, um, with with craft and with Salem. Like yeah, just just some yeah, just some wonderful bits of character consistency into actors in Martin Mull and Nick Bakay who are just so comfortable in those characters now and know how to play them just right. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it was a four. It was a particularly for season four, which hasn't always packed the laughs. I think this was a very good episode. Absolutely. And what about creativity? Now, I've got I've got a bit to say about this because I'm torn. I'm torn mm-hmm. about the creativity because okay, Natalie, because we're 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 currently living in an age where we can't get away from superheroes. But back in 2000, the whole superhero train wasn't really a thing. So I think they need to get... I think our marks need to reflect that it was in 2000 superheroes weren't as big as they are now, if that makes sense. But it's an interesting point you make, Chris, and we um, I was going to touch it, but um, we didn't get around to it, is that, yeah, like, in... At this time, like, superheroes... I think the fact that it's done in such a way of just kind of, like, it's a childish thing, and it's so, you know, if you read a lot of comic books, you might think about that. Um, because yeah, like they weren't really like the nineties was a very fallow period for kind of superheroes in popular yeah, culture. I mean, the, the, there was obviously the like the animated series, and there was a couple, of, yeah, couple of films out there, but nothing. There was, there was there was also the Galloping Gazelle. If you remember that one, no, beg, beg your pardon. <laughs> it's an episode of Goosebumps. Um, ah, the uh, the superhero supervillain one, the the Mass Mutant. That's what I want to think of. I want it, want it to be called. Adam West played the Galloping Gazelle in that episode. Ah, Adam really? West. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go creativity wise. I, I'm, I'm happy with a plum three. Plum three. Yeah, plum, plum three. three. I've no that. I, I'll go, I, I'll go with a plum three as well. I go for a peachy three. But yeah, three for creativity. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's a good uh, uh, mark. And finally, progression boys. Um, Zero. They, they, Atch? No, no, I, I, would... Dis- I would disagree. No, 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 fuck off. It's zero. Uh, no, uh, Mr. Craft ended where he started. Brad, fuck all. Dreamer, fuck all. Sabs, hurt a finger. Harvey, saved Sabrina. Everyone started, everyone ended where they fucking began. Zero. Yeah. Yeah, they the start where, where they want, but like it, we've, we've we know more about the characters. Not just a case of something happened and the back to no, normal. Like no, like, we don't. No, no we mis- don't. Mis- it, it holds no bearing. It holds absolutely fucking no bearing that Mister Craft wants to go fly over the Atlantic. Holds no bearing. That holds no bearing that Harvey wanted to be a superhero when he was younger. Holds no bearing. Salem wanting to be a firefighter, as Graham pointed out at the start. Depending on when he was actually fucking born, there wasn't even a fucking job. It it holds no bearing. Zero. I, it doesn't hold any bearing. But I think the way that we've done it in the past, and especially with the show and it not being very uh, episodic, you know, it, it, there isn't much plot moving on episode to episode because it's a sitcom and they don't really do that. Unfortunately, they do kind of wind us up with looking like they're going to do that and then doing bugger all with it, as we've talked about with Brad and Dreamer. But I would, I would say fleshing out characters a bit more does count for something i think the only two you would say that really happened with i wouldn't even include salem to be honest i think that was just kind of like a bit of a throwaway let's get a cat in a silly costume i do appreciate it don't get me wrong boy do i appreciate it but it doesn't count as progression 
Um, but I would say it really fleshes out Mr. Craft being a weird, out of time child man that he wanted to be Charles. Which Lee. we already knew. We already knew, but like I don't know. Like I, I really do. I really do. It was. Ne- it was never. It was never really explored until this episode. And yeah. particularly, obviously, we learned that he's he, despite him becoming a principal, which is what he believed he always wanted to be, he's not happy in that role. And, you know, at the, particularly at the start of this season, he was like, you know, evil laugh, <laughs> I'm going to be the principal, I'm going to make everyone's life a misery. And the only life he's making a real misery is, is, misery is his own. And I think that still counts for some progression. And also, I think, like, it very much, you know, we would talk about Harvey being the, you know, being so pure and sweet, and I think the fact that he wants to be a hero and also that the person he wants to save is Sabrina I think very much reaffirms him as A, a good guy and B, sort of like the true the true love of Sabrina so I think I'd, 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 give, it, I'd give it a two just, just based on those two points I would say it's a two, two for progression so let's add that together so uh, we had a, um, a two for magic we had a four for wit a three for creativity and a two for progression a controversial um, two for progression yeah, controversial to you might say so 11 out of 20 there um well yeah so yeah again just a, a, a an average episode that we still very much uh very much enjoyed well what's what's happened is chris isn't happy with the conditions here so mm. he's contacted the rank masters union and the rank masters <laughs> union have arranged a strike all the podcasts when they go to their rank master they're finding that they're giving completely the wrong numbers as well the rank masters are on strike <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> That's it. Well, speak to someone who cares, Chris. <laughs> Episode 15, uh, boys, would you like to know what it's called? Yeah, go ahead then. It's called Love in Bloom. Uh, it's a Valentine's Day themed episode. Daff- Daffodils. So, Is it a Valentine's so... Day episode? It's a Valentine's Day episode, isn't it? I reckon Love in Bloom... What happens is Sabrina gets um, gets confused and uh, no Sabrina and Dreamer because Dreamer is a character that we need oh, to remember right, from okay. time to time. Um, Dreamer does something uh, that she shouldn't do in relation to some flowers, and they get sent to um, to uh, the other realms uh, garden center where they have to take care of the plants. An other realm garden center, love it. Um, uh, Graham, what about you? <laughs> Um, Sabrina um, gets shrunk down to miniature size um, whilst visiting the set of Lord of the Rings which was filming in 2000 and she is swallowed by early 2000s heartthrob actor Orlando Bloom and whilst inside him she falls in love with his pancreas (laughs) therefore she is in love in Bloom she falls in love with his pancreas. yes Loving, loving bloom, love it. Loving love bloom. It. Um, well, Miraxi Graham, that that sentence I've written down is spot on to what you just said. Um, no, uh, episode fifteen entitled "Love in Bloom." An anonymous Valentine's card is set to the Spellman's house, and Sabrina enlists the help of Filth and Darko to get to the bottom of it. Yay! It's never a bad thing. It's never who, a bad who? thing. Filth and Darko, Roland. Roland the troll. Or well, uh, Roland the the something else. Um, it's actually well, was he was he cu- was he sort of like a Cupid type figure last time we saw he him. Was, yeah. He was, yeah. He's a completely yeah. different. Uh, he's already kind. been a private detective, hasn't he? 
He's been a private detective. He's been the troll. He's been... Um, I wonder what he could be this time. He was, that, he was that a debt collector, for, magic debt collector, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, so that's our next episode. But as for this one, I do hope you very much enjoyed it. My name has been Phil, all the way through, that is. And I do believe uh, the other folks that have been with me during the course of this wonderful ride has been, first of all, Mr. Graham Riley. Thank you very much, Graham. Uh, you're welcome. Even though I didn't agree... I disagreed with him on the rating. I will be uh, joining the Rankmasters strike in solidarity um, after this episode is over. Well, aren't thank you very a, much? Aren't you a prick? And and as well, and Chris Evans. Thank you very much. Chris. No, I'm I'm not a prick, but you are a scab. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much, Chris Evans. Oh yeah, no mate, I've changed my name now. I am uh, Rankmaster General. <laughs> there we Please are. address me thusly. Oh, sorry. So, Rankmaster General and then General Buff, as uh, as we've learned. Uh, as the pair say, I've of forgotten you. what my name was. But yeah. <laughs> General no, Buff. I'm, I'm General Buff. Good night, folks. And I'm General Inconvenience, I guess. You could follow us on social media. Don't know why you would, but it's always nice for me to see uh, the you know the amount of new people that do follow us on Facebook, even though, as you know, as soon as you uh, follow us, um, it's really not worth your time. But, but I'm actually going to, um, over the course of November, I'm actually going to do a post every day i know that's the very least that i should do but I'm, i've that's set myself what guys you said in o- that's what you said in october yeah that's September. what you said in october August. you said i'm gonna do a post every day in october you said that i don't think i did um yes, you did. if i did i definitely cut it out uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um but I'm, I'm, i mean i wouldn't bother either but then i don't pretend i will so. no i think i think um, it, it's mainly in particular like the reason i don't like posting stuff on social media is God, i just don't like using social media because it's just it's just a big it's just a cesspool these days it's just full of oh it sucks yeah it really it's, sucks. it's full of negativity awful people people arguing all the time uh but you know i figured you know why not just try and help you know if, you know just just post something daft even if it's just a screenshot from sabrina so uh, yeah that's what i'm going to be doing of, during the course of this particular um hectic month that is approaching us um so yeah please do follow us uh, on twitter we are uh, at sabrina watch and i'll also be doing the same on facebook as well uh just find sabrina the teenage watch oh well, there we go, boys. Valentine's Day is approaching us in, in the Sabrina universe anyway. So I look forward to socially distancingly loving you both. And we'll try and we'll try and hug from a safe distance. Just want to say, Phil, that loving you from a distance is easy because you're beautiful from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And on that note, may every little thing you do... Be magic. Is that the first time you've done the lead-in for the everything you do? Chris? I think it is. Yeah, because I, I think th- it, is. it was funny. Well, it's yeah, it's because you're fucking unionized, haven't you? Yeah, you are exactly <laughs> <laughs> fighting for his right for any. Take it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it over. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Podcast.